everyone. This is episode 53 of Movies in 4K. I am Bill Shetty. I'm Lady Phantom. And one brief announcement before this episode is we received some feedback on our now defunct Las Vegas movies. And I wanted to make mention of there was several more we were going to cover, but it was very limited. Like there was about 12 or so more that we could have covered but starting the new year we wanted to roll with the new format but i did want to make mention of some of these movies if you're interested in checking them out the first one came by one of our listeners tony who recommended harley davidson and the marlboro man it's one i did not see so if you're interested check that out i will be checking it out because he says it's an action film and it goes back from las vegas to la so there's one And I compiled a list of like six or eight more for you to check out that I think's worth it. Number one is Rain Man. Oh, right. That's true. It's not totally in Vegas, but there's a good 30 minute section with uh, the Rain Man playing cards and counting cards with Tom Cruise. Yeah, that's an important 30 minutes. Yeah, and they get uh, comped for one of the high roller suites, which is really cool on the strip. Next is Showgirls. It's about strippers, basically, with the girl from Saved by the Bell. And I don't know her name. It really got panned when it came out. But it's a decent movie. We also have Pay It Forward. Oh. Which takes solely in Las Vegas. She is is a cocktail waitress in the casino. And I think she's even a dealer. Like, she has two jobs But actually, it's set in Vegas, and the houses is in Vegas, and the teacher and the school is in Vegas. That's a good movie. That's a great movie. Very sad, but a great movie, yeah. Then we have Ocean's 13, not 12, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that one was in England or something or back and forth. But 13 is totally in Vegas with Al Pacino. And this one I wanted to cover so bad. But it was so expensive on Blu-ray, and I never got around to buying it, but it is Mars Attacks. Aw, I love that movie. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't really remember it all that well. I remember the aliens. Yeah. So that's all. That has a slew of stars like Jack Nicholson, Sarah, Jessica Parker. Glenn Close, I think. Uh, I, I, I think so. Lisa Marie. Uh, yeah, it, it, I really like that movie. And of course, you have the other Hangover movies, which don't compare to the first one. But they're, are they in Vegas? I mean, one of them I, is in Thailand or something. I think one of them is definitely, they go back to Vegas. I don't uh, know which maybe one the third. it is. I, I don't know. I, I just know that one of them, I think it's in Thailand or something, but I haven't seen them. So. And finally, I'd be remiss not to mention... Viva! The Elvis Presley (laughs) movie titled Viva Las Vegas. Of course. So there you have some more recommendations. And I'd say get them all. If you're interested in Vegas type movies, they are really cool. Now, before we get on to our feature review, Lady Phantom has a fun fact. This movie we are reviewing today has an unexpected link to Bill Shetty's favorite horror franchise ever, which is friday the 13th warner brothers had a share of the rights to the friday the 13th uh, franchise 
But in order to be a co-financier in this movie, it relinquished those rights to Paramount Pictures. Wow. Which had the other share, I think. Yeah. Well, and considering the year that this movie came out, Friday the 13th franchise is in complete limbo. Still (laughs) waiting on something to come out of that. But let's get this rolling. We're covering from 2014 Interstellar, which was directed by Christopher Nolan. Yeah, another Nolan film. Yes. (laughs) I think I've seen this guy's total filmography by now. No, you haven't. Okay. (laughs) It is listed in three genres, adventure, drama, science fiction. Right. That's just right. Right on point there. And stars who, Lady Phantom? Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Jessica Chastain, Matt Damon, Timothy Chalamet, John Lithgow, and many others. Ellen Burstyn, she's the first one, actually. Michael Caine again. Michael Caine. Yeah, (laughs) the guy from The Collector, Josh something, he's one of the robots. Oh, voice, you mean? Yeah, Case. He was Case's voice. All right, and what's that big synopsis say? A team of explorers travel through a wormhole in space in an attempt to ensure humanity's survival. For just a sentence, that's okay. Yeah, that's decent. You got to remember, on IMDb, you can't get more than uh, one small paragraph on the initial overview. You know, if you scroll down later, you get a more detailed summary but we like to just cover this to see how good it is for your impression and if you don't want any spoilers all right lady phantom so i decided on this movie how we're going to walk this through is to me this movie set in four acts most of them were three but this is almost a three-hour movie and instead of walking it right through scene by scene let's cover the overarching theme basically of each act okay and we'll make our comments the first act you learn about the characters matthew mcconaughey he's got two kids and he lives with his father and we are in a dust bowl basically earth is there is no technology And everybody's struggling for food because of how the earth is dissipating. (laughs) Yeah, like they say even there, like we don't need more engineers. We need farmers because people need food. That's Right, and he is a farmer, but did fly for NASA. NASA. Yeah. But that is almost made to be a conspiracy theory in this movie they never say when this movie set i got the feeling maybe a hundred years from now what was your feeling on that yeah me too because i was like okay this is definitely in the future but not in a far far future that we wouldn't know it's like 
somehow in the future. So yeah, I think a hundred years is like an accurate assessment, probably. Yeah, because they give you a couple clues. John Lithgow states that he used to use technology and be on devices. Yeah, and then. They go to a baseball game and it's the actual New York Yankees are playing and he don't even know the team. And the New York Yankees is one of the most widely known teams since the 1800s. So I felt at least 100 years had to go by. Yeah. For you not even to recognize one of the most famous baseball teams ever existed. Yeah, exactly. We learn about his daughter who is like him learning about science yeah she is very bright she's far ahead of her even teachers and uh, there's a, a funny thing there with the teacher actually that she mentions that they had to correct the textbooks because they spoke of the fake apollo travels or something and that's another clue that this is in the future because i mean come on right but yeah, you get the sense that the daughter is really, really bright and she gets in trouble because she defends science as opposed to conspiracy theories and ignorance, basically. Right, because they want to put all this behind them because they're struggling for food, all of humanity. So they yeah. need farmers. They don't need any more technical trades. Yeah, exactly. So it's like in reverse of most science fiction films exactly yes you're very so, right we go through this section here and i will make note of one part there's this drone that comes flying down and mcconaughey is so advanced because he works for nasa he's got a laptop and he actually takes control of it and this plays a little bit of a key part in the movie uh into the science aspect but we have a good 30, 35 minutes of the opening meeting the characters and everything there. Okay, let's get to the second act, which still takes place on Earth, Lady Phantom. And it's when gravity takes hold and signals are being sent. Let's put it that way. And we're not going to cover any spoilers. We're going to describe as much as we can without getting like so technical because this gets pretty heady into relativity and time travel mm -hmm. and i don't even know if i could explain it well yeah, anyway like, i don't think we could spoil this movie even if we tried <laughs> wow yeah you could make mentions of a serious thing well that yes would really of course. you wouldn't ever see it coming really yeah that's true so this dust is falling there's a storm going a brew and there's this dust that's fallen in one of the rooms. And McConaughey comes up with GPS coordinates via Morse code or something like this. Yeah, binary code. Binary code, that's it. Which I should have knew right off the top of my head because that's what I deal with in the technical trade with computers. But anyway, he gets these coordinates and him and his daughter take off to find out what's at these coordinates. And it's NASA, which is thought to be defunct. Yeah, that's, they, they are all like, how did you find us? How did you find us? Like, it's, it was just the coordinates that they got from this mysterious dust. Right. In binary and this code. is where Michael Caine comes in. He's the head of NASA. And Anne Hathaway, who is... His what? daughter. Right. I mean, but what she's in the technical trade, too. What is, I think she's a doctor. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're right, Phantom. Jeez, I can't believe that. Because they say it a million times to her. Dr. Haddon, is it? Yeah, I think it's just they're both doctors, she and her father. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't very sure if she was or she wasn't a doctor, but I think she was. Yeah, Dr. Brand. Okay. They command him to do this mission to try to save humanity, humanity just like in the synopsis there. And it has to deal with wormholes and time traveling and getting the Earth's population to another planet that can inhabit and live and grow and make another civilization. Exactly. So that deals with the second act. Now, the third act, <laughs> I'm still with this movie. Is the it's actual still mission. still making sense. Right. It's the mission and when they go through the wormhole and then have to land and get on one of these planets. They actually have an opportunity to land on several different planets and they choose one. I would like to mention there's robots in here and this robot is totally unique to a movie that is something I've never seen. It's like hard to describe what it looks like. It's Yeah, it can be like a just a flat kind of platform of some kind, but then it also has square has legs like where it legs. can move. Yeah, exactly. And they are voiced by two with a computer people. on the front of it just like a screen like a 13 inch screen uh-huh but like if you didn't know that it was a thing there i mean you could swear it's just a person because like they communicate like normal and yeah, they and speak normally and everything more of those square legs too at times which yeah it is really, really cool. don't make sense when you see the shape this thing is in the two legs make sense but at times it sprouts four or six and it was kind of bizarre, but I like the robots. Yeah, it's like the one leg thingy unfolds into a <laughs> longer thing. It's, it's really cool. I like it. Yes, and this is when we start getting revelations because they have to decide how long to go down on these planets because every hour is seven years. They go through a wormhole and bend time so they don't age. Mm -hmm. Now, when they go to a planet, every hour is seven years. So all the astronauts go on the planet, but one guy stays back. They have a little kerfuffle. <laughs> <laughs> Things don't go as planned because they thought they were looking for mountains and it turned out to be something else. And they are fighting for their lives in this scenario and trying to get back to the mothership, if you so want to call yeah, it. Yeah, and the poor guy that stayed behind, like, I felt so sad for him. His acting was so good right there, and I felt so sad for him because he was like, I waited, like, 23 years. I, right. I didn't think you were coming back. Right, so they get back uh -huh. to that and then have to make another decision, which is going to lead us into the fourth act. And like I said, each act, I would say, is between 30, 45, 50 minutes. Yes. There's other things going on here, and you'll be involved. This is not a boring movie in yeah. no sense. There's always things happening and revelations and questioning people. 
And it also divides itself between space and earth. It's not like you're spending all your time with these people and that's it. Like you are also taking a glimpse at what's happening or what will happen or whatever you want to say because time is weird on earth. Yes. The fourth and final act, which is a good 40 some odd minutes, we get the Matt Damon character in here. He's in cryo sleep, basically. They find him. And the mission basically is to get back to Earth now because there's some faulty things about this discovery in other worlds, let's say. Yeah, like also mysteries are uncovered and yes, a few and lies here and there. <laughs> I want to stay on a little more with the description because up until this point, I was totally invested I was into every character, and there's actually no character I didn't mind seeing. All of them pulled their weight in this. Of course, McConaughey is the star in Hathaway second. But Jessica Chastain comes into it, who is his daughter, who has grown up now. And she's in the field, too, of course. Mm -hmm. So we have that going on. But there's some lying going on here and some yeah. deceit. And the whole point is to get back and still try to save humanity because at this point in the movie, the earth is really going through destruction. Yeah. People are getting sick. There's no food. There's constant dust storms. And they do go back and forth. They don't do much with the earthly presence once they get into space. It's just clips here and there, I would mm -hmm. say, Phantom. Yeah. But you do get to see his daughter and son. They do have a little bit of an arc. She has yeah. way more of an arc than the son, but he does have a small arc too. Yeah, definitely. But she is way more important because she is in charge of, of actually finding out what's going on in all this. Right. Thing. And his son is played by Affleck. Casey Affleck. Yeah. Ben Affleck's brother, is it? Yes. Okay. Younger brother. All right, so this is really when they get scientific and breaking time warp things. And <laughs> I got to say this one line because it just boggles my mind who comes up with this <laughs> stuff. And it reminds me of horror movies, funnily enough. Some of these real low-budget horror movies come up with some of these whack things. And I think it even happened in Hereditary at one time. Oh, yeah, but, with the fifth something yeah, of their... So in yeah, so this one, it gets into the third dimension of the fifth aural spacious consciousness or something. And, I mean, you're just wrapping your head and... You know, there's not even 1% of the population that could understand some of the concepts they're talking about in here. Like, you really just got to go with the flow because they do speak very technical at times. You just have to roll with what they're saying because yes. there's not going to be many people that understand. I mean, they're wrapping off fractional, computational gravity and relativity things and such deep knowledge things that if you're not in the field you just have to go with what they say because none of it makes sense <laughs> some of the things that happen in this movie and that are stated and we can't cover that either 
which bothers me because I really want to spoil the heck out of this last act. (laughs) Don't. Now, I'm saying it bothered me just by what happens, Phantom, with this time traveling and people ejecting from spaceships in outer space and landing on Earth and things like this. I'll just put it that way. They don't land on Earth. Okay. What happened then, Phantom? He was found in space. Okay, he's just found floating in gravitational fields. Yeah, because he was near Saturn, and there was this station that was actually near Saturn. (laughs) Okay, so your mind went with everything they're saying, because you're not understanding what they're saying. Uh, No, no, not necessarily, but I mean, they at least they explained that bit, so I was like, oh, okay. Okay. But that okay. 3D dimensional into the fifth quadrant of relativity. <laughs> no, that did sound like the hereditary when line. This guy time travels and is in some warped state of mind. Well, it was interesting in the movie, but how he got there when he ejected is yes. almost silly. I no, I agree with that because without spoiling anything, of all the places he could have landed on or being in after that he had to land exactly there it's like no why like how well, i mean you have to go with it but if you really try to think about it it's like why not end up at a zoo or something i mean it's like i don't know it's weird yeah and to me you know usually these heady type movies that go really far off into science and stuff these hard concepts to understand usually they're movies to really talk about with your friends but this movie isn't because it's just so far complex like phantom they really dive deep into relativity and gravitational pull and quantum physics and the robots are talking with one of the science officers up there with mcconaughey and the doctor and they're all seem like they know what's going on and I'm like wow. and you're like well i'm glad you guys know because i'm kind yeah, of lost. And they have to make rash decisions spur the moment and they just always pick the right thing it seems like but anyway it just jumps the shark to me unlike a movie like lucy which is super heady but explained in such detail even as far-fetched as it was i grasped the concept this i couldn't well, grasp I think that what I, I, they're trying to say i think the concept in lucy is vastly easier to understand than this not uh, to mention I don't know about vastly yeah i mean not to mention that that the, her brain power can do things without thinking i mean that's yeah pretty, i mean like the 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 whole premise with lucy is actually a false premise so i mean the the thing with that movie is that it makes you believe it which is monumental, right? This one is just a very, very complicated and complex... And convoluted. ...premise, exactly. (laughs) That I didn't buy, so... That you just have to go with. It's not that you understand it. That's the, the, the main difference, which I think makes Lucy's story much better. Because you buy it. So she's with me on that. All right, let's get into some technicals here. First, let's start with the IMAX. This goes back and forth 
yes. with the widescreen and the IMAX like Nolan's other films. <laughs> yeah, although I have to say that it, I think it was less obvious than in The Dark Knight. Absolutely, and I want to save that for 4K, but I will preface this. This was smooth as butter, and I like that. Yes. Dark Knight was jarring at times. This, you didn't notice, which is a huge positive to me. Yes. We have this, and they switch, you know. A like lot. A lot, and it could only be for three to five seconds. Yes. And then it goes back. Mm-hmm. But you never lose focus. Like, it's done so well. The editing in this film is off the charts. Incredible. Yeah. And also talking about like technical things, we all know that Christopher Nolan is not one guy to do the CGI thing. And this movie has very little CGI, which is absolutely flabbergasting because one would swear that it's full of it and it's not. And it's amazing. All the things that they did with the wormholes and this and that, and they were practical effects. Yeah, camera tricks and yeah, lenses and I stuff mean, like amazing. that. It looked really good because and a lot there was of, some warping and things going on. Yeah, and a lot of miniatures used as well. Yes, well, I can state, since we're in technical, some of the space scenes looked fake. <laughs> I didn't think anything looked fake. I did me. because they really focused up on some of the ships, innards, and like when they're outside, like it was really fine tuned and it wasn't really vast space in a lot of scenes. Like they zoomed up on individual components and things like that. I was perfectly that, fine with that. I mean, it looked great, but it didn't look real either to me. Uh, a lot of the it scenes. looked real to me. Okay. Acting. Great. All Stellar. Uh, this is probably one of the best roles for McConaughey, in my opinion. He's he a was big amazing. romantic comedy guy back in the day. Yeah, back in the day. But yeah, not anymore. Not really. And he, he's amazing. Yeah, he, he was amazing. really good. And the daughter, what? even the kids when they were younger were really yeah. good. Yes, yes, yes. I only wish that people in Hollywood stopped doing this thing in which the children have a different eye color than the adults <laughs> because I hate it. And it makes absolutely no sense. The girl that plays Murphy, the the daughter, Murph. she's the girl that played Renesmee in the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2, and she has brown eyes. Not very dark, but brown eyes. And then the adult one is Jessica Chastain, who has blue eyes. Like Anne Hathaway should have been the daughter as an adult because she looks more like her. And Jessica Chastain should have been the doctor. But oh, well, whatever. John Lithgow was very good. He's oh, not in he, it much. Yeah, he was great. And I got to say, I think on our last review, you said you like Michael Caine the best in what was it? The Dark, the Dark Knight. Knight. I think this is my favorite movie of Michael Caine. No, mine isn't. I mean, he because is excellent in this, but no, I prefer him in The Dark Knight. He an unexpected arc in this film, and I bought him. He wasn't garish. He wasn't over the top. He wasn't comedic. He was very philosophical, and I thought he was excellent. He comes to a point where i bought like 
the last time that he's on screen in this movie. Yeah, I mean, he it was. was really well done. He was. I just prefer him and as actually, Alfred. Well, I can't say this. If I said this adjective, you'd know something. So, okay. So that's the acting. Sound, you just heard me play the intro. I think that was utilized a little too much. Yeah, the theme it, it is very constant. I like the music in general. I, I, did I thought like it was this. fine music on a whole too yeah. but it was definitely overutilized that theme there yes and it plays in inopportune times that it really shouldn't be in my opinion nah, i don't know about that but talking about the sound here is very i think it's a mixed bag to me on the one hand they make really good use of sound and silence Like sometimes you will yeah, be in a scene that is like super, super, it's full of sound and everything, but then you go to outer space and then it goes completely silent. And I really like that kind of thing. But at the same time, we have the typical Christopher Nolan movie thing in which sometimes there's a scene packed with action or something or loud music and then the voices are completely yes. unintelligible again. Nolan, if you're listening... Come on, man. Just reproduce better center dialogue and just tamp down the ambient effects. The ambiance is so loud in this movie. We watched it in 5.1, which is the best quality DTS. Again, no Atmos. He doesn't go for doesn't the Atmos. He doesn't do the Atmos. It makes no sense to me. But on every bit of gear, we listen to it on... The center dialogue gets drowned out so many times. And just finalizing the movie, there's a part when Chastain figured something out and she's throwing papers in NASA. And, and I swear to God, shouting. I have no idea what this woman said. And she said like two or three major things. And shouting yes and you don't hear I, you just can't understand and what she says this is on a home theater system a thousand watt system too i mean but the ambiance is so blaring it's just heartbreaking because this guy has such talent but knows nothing about audio and it ticks me off It's like whoever he gets to produce audios. I, it feels like to me, Phantom, that he has to sign off on the audio tracks in these movies. Like he won't let somebody make decisions. What he wants is the way he wants it. Like he wants a chaotic sort of lot of things happening, a lot of loud sound effects and people talking and you can't hear. But that's not good. And the problem here is, is McConaughey, too, has a really soft-spoken voice. I yes. love his voice. Yeah. He's got a really nice voice, but he's not loud and he's very soft and he's a soft-spoken guy like this. And when you got ambience and things breaking and metal breaking and robots talking you can't hear what they're saying you can barely make out a word or two in some of these sentences yeah that's you know true. and it's so disheartening and it's funny immediately when we started this movie there's a little action scene when they're in a truck they get a flat tire 
and this music blares and you don't know what they're saying in the truck because it's his son daughter and him they're tracking this drone and they're talking and you're like what yeah and it's not like they're like whispering or anything no. they're talking loud and you just can't hear what yeah, they're you saying catch a word here and there and that's going to be coming up on the 4k too like you would understand more if this was a mono track really <laughs> All right, what other technicals we got here, Phantom? Editing was stellar. We mentioned that briefly. Yeah. Um, cinematography. It was beautiful. Yeah. It I was really say. beautiful. I would say I got tired of a lot of the close-ups of the contraptions. I, I didn't. And I think it's because it was miniatures, Phantom. They couldn't go long, deep, wide spaces, personally. Probably, probably. But I, I thought it looked so, so good. Everything. Did you think? all of them deep space scenes look totally real like they did go to some super wide angle shots where you've seen like white specks like denoting stars or something and then like saturn or a planet off in the distance and then you'd see like a little shit flying like you bought that yeah yeah and it helps or it helped me at least because they do that quite a bit in this movie there's also a scene where they are actually on a different planet or something and they keep panning in and out and it just helps to convey the fact that we are just so small in the universe you know so i did like that a lot and, and the, i thought it, i bought it okay the last topic i would like to cover because i think i had a little bit problem with this is the costuming and what they decided to go with like this is set in the future and technology but in nasa is basically diminished and there's some scenes <laughs> mainly towards the end when it's so far advanced in time and they have these old computers and things like that and it just didn't well, work in this film because we're so advanced and we can see in spheres and time travel okay yet let, we're using these old tvs okay this is my understanding of that first of all yes like you when you first go with nasa and you see what they have and it's all fairly recognizable to us but you have to be in the frame of mind that NASA is pretty much an outcast mm -hmm. now. They don't have a lot of money and because people are trying to spend their money on food, not on technological advancements and gadgets and everything. So they don't really have the budget. Plus, how many times have we seen movies that are, I don't know, in 2021 or this or that, and the things that these people thought that there were going to be in the future, they are laughable to us now because like, yeah, flying cars. Uh, no, so. not really. So I think that's fine because really, probably the future is not going to be as crazy as we think it might be. So I have no problem with that okay, whatsoever. So I do like them to guess or invent objects and things in Whoa. the future yes okay but there's this station where they take mcconaughey after he is found in the last act <laughs> yeah. and it's like it reminded me of inception actually it's like something on the inside of a cylinder that looks cool but 
all the hospital gear and the heartbeat monitors look like stuff from now i have no problem with that See, I, I wanted some invent when a science fiction that's a lot of the fun to me in science fiction movies is seeing what minds come up with because a lot of these things in science fiction movies do come true look at minority yeah. report which i haven't seen the movies but when he's pulling out like a tablet like device what when was the first one of them in the 90s the minority reports, there's only one of those. And I think it's 2000. Or maybe a Mission Impossible. Oh, Mission Impossible. You know when okay. he pulled out the glass thing and it's a ta one of our tablets. Yeah, now. that doesn't happen in Mission Impossible. I think you're thinking minority Okay, <laughs> But what I'm saying is some of these things and biometrics, they were back in the 70s. There were science fiction yes. movies that did that type stuff. Yes. Everybody does this sleeping pod thing yeah you know since alien and all these this one's a little different because mm -hmm. they're in water it's kind of bizarre not really futuristically advanced what you would think but that's part of the fun of science to me the science fiction is seeing what these people invent and come up with that makes things easier and this just don't have that except this concept of time travel and relativity all right, Lady Phantom, we'd covered a lot on Interstellar. My rating is a seven and a rental. This is the second time I watched it. This movie, I wouldn't have watched again if we weren't covering it on here. For one simple reason is this one, once you know the big twist in this, and I didn't like the twist, I think it's ridiculous. There's nothing to be gained. There's nothing I learned on this viewing. And it's surprising because usually when you rewatch movies, you'll catch little things, especially on movies like this that are complicated. But I enjoyed it. It's a really good movie outside of the last act. Now, I did like it on an entertainment value where they went with it. But I'm a big story guy, and if it don't make sense, it's so far-fetched to me, and I can't wrap my head around it. It just gets docked. And for the last act, if they would have went more intelligible in my mind, something more understandable, tamped down the rhetoric a little bit, this could have been a nine, nine and a half, because the technicals and stuff were off the chart. The sound was the problem and the voices but it's a seven. Everybody needs to see this movie once. To me, this movie is an eight and it is a buy because, yeah, I mean, as a typical Christopher Nolan film, every time you watch it, you understand a little bit more. This time I did understand a little bit more than the previous time. And I'm sure if I watch it again, I will understand even more like his movies. I mean, which is good and bad at the same time. They are rewatchable because you don't normally understand everything in the first watching. And this one is big with that. So, All right, let's get to the good stuff. All right, we got another three disc set, the 4K Blu-ray and a special features disc. 4K quality, we talked about the IMAX already, and what did it look like, Phantom? How is the overall appeal to the visuals? It's beautiful. At some point, I'm not sure 
if I was wrong or not, but there was at some point one wide angle and I thought I saw noise. I don't yes. know if it is, right? There I was a little grain in some of the beginning scenes. Yeah, but it was also in one of the planets, I think. Maybe. And I was like, what? But in general, you don't see grain at all. And oh my goodness, all those IMAX scenes are like, wow. It's, it's, it's a beautiful movie, really. I agree. I like seeing the full screen effects but this is another one i'm gonna say lady phantom this is a top tier disc i'll put that right out but the black levels could have been better here too yeah we are in space and they're grays it never goes to pitch black so you never uh have the widest contrast but they look gorgeous yeah and don't get us wrong there is a lot of contrast but you are right except in some scenes but not in space maybe of interiors where you can see very light lights you know their their suits the, the ship and you do see very very deep blacks but never in outer space yeah, which is what you want and i remembered that from the first time we seen it i remembered how good it looked but i was so clear when the first imax scene came on and they're in space or uh, astronauts floating or something whatever's going on or a ship's in space it's just not true blacks mm-hmm. they're washed out grays and I, i'm not using the right word they're not washed out but very it's, dark it's just not deep blacks it's not true black yeah and that's when you get a lot of the popping and the contrast now when it got bright with lights it shines through. There are some scenes that I was actually squinting. Yeah. When lights were like coming right at you through the screen. Yeah. Uh, and there was, was actually two jump scenes in this movie. <laughs> Did you catch them? Uh, remind me. Well, with one of the characters they find. Oh, yes. <gasps> that, that, that was very and then good. There was one in the beginning, too, that. You know, like there was silence there and what was going on screen, you wasn't expecting something to happen. And the music blared and it went to the dark scene. Yeah, but that one with that character, it it, it gets yeah, you. Because you know what's coming and it still gets I you. I would really like Nolan to try his hand at a horror movie someday because that timing on these two scenes, you would never see coming. And somebody that's watched thousands of horror movies would you ever picked out because on the one he's talking and making a statement and it's like that it's like oh my god and it was a beautiful scene actually yeah and the thing is that you know it's coming you know oh, something's I didn't know coming. That was coming no i mean you know something's gonna happen yes. you don't know what but you know something's gonna happen but I have the feeling that even if you knew exactly what's going to happen, it still gets you because it's just so sudden and so well-timed and the sound is like boom and you're like, what? It's excellent. Yes, and I am going to compare it to The Dark Knight since we just covered that. I think it was a little more impressive on The Dark Knight because it was an older film and Mm -hmm. you wasn't expecting that level of detail. But this looks really good. It's just not the best of the best Mm -hmm. that you can do. 
because the contrast ratios just aren't at the max factor but they look beautiful and i would never want to watch this on any other format other than 4k believe you me oh yeah i mean and then there are a few scenes with with a lot of color because of space and everything and it's just mesmerizing color gamut good point not that this has tons of color but they do a lot of close-ups on faces here mcconaughey with his you know helmet on and chastain and you see all the marks blemishes sweat beads coming down you see how fake mcconaughey's hair is with his (laughs) black dye (laughs) i mean it really bothered me the whole movie to see how black his hair was because it's funny i color my hair sometimes because i got a big gray splotch in the front of my head and i asked phantom do i look this ridiculous and she's like yep It's very noticeable for some reason. Yeah, because you know him. You know his hair is light. Do you think light. that's because you know him? There's yes. been other movies I've pointed this out out of people. No, it's I didn't true. Know. I mean, some hair dyes tend to be really, really obvious. But with him specifically, you know he is blonde-ish. So you see a very, very dark brown or almost black, and you're like, no. Nah. But I think he's got the same problem as me is why he does that is because he's got streaking grays that aren't uniform. If my hair just went gray naturally and was like peppered, like you see, like Eric Roberts, for some example, he comes up to my mind (laughs) when he got older. And it's like a peppered look, like where you'll see gray, but it looks nice. It's like fluid. Plus, but when Eric somebody Robert, gets yeah. a splotch like I do, it looks like a raccoon and it looks <laughs> ridiculous. Plus, Eric Roberts has great hair. But no, I do believe that this was because of the hair color of the kids. I mean, the girl. Yeah, but he had, couldn't have gray hair in this due to the time traveling thing. That's true. He was supposed to be like 33 years old. Uh, but anyway, Which he couldn't pass as thirty three. <laughs> I know, I know. But still, I think they dec- they decided to go for that color because of the kid's hair. Like the girl, her hair is brown, like reddish brown, but it's brown. And Timothy Chalamet has also brown hair. And then when they grow up, it's Casey Affleck. And I mean, Jessica Chastain. She is a red hair, which goes to my initial assessment. Anne Hathaway should have been the daughter, but whatever. The point is that he couldn't be blonde with kids. I mean, especially since you're not showing the mother. So, I mean, you want him That's to have... That's a good point. It showed Chastain's red hair really in true form here in this movie. Yeah, beautiful. In some scenes, when there was a lot of light, you really seen how reddish orange it was. Yes. And I would assume that's her natural color because she's is. not that old, is she? It is. No, no, she's not. But but that is her her natural. All right, color. let's get to the audio, Lady Phantom. We already stayed at the dialogue track. Yeah, that dialogue track. It's just so disappointing in a movie that could be so great. <laughs> yeah, in a movie that over. costs three hundred million to make, probably. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, first of all, as usual. But it's nothing new, no Atmos, and you really wish there was some Atmos because this movie would shine, especially in certain scenes. Like there's one where McConaughey is in the middle of space and he's like in the middle of some kind of rain 
like asteroid or something. And that could have sounded so, so great. $165 million. And I'm telling you, he has oversight on that and he gets what he wants, Phantom, because there's no audio production man (laughs) that would allow this track to be released like that. I am telling you. And then it's a theme with him. Like all his his movies movies suffer from the same. Except maybe for the prestige, and that would be because there are no such big I'll action bet you scenes. That even has but even it too. yeah, I know if we rewatched it. Yeah, I mean it's it's really sad because these movies could really shine with the right audio. Yes, I already stated the main theme was overutilized. The ambience was fine when it didn't blare over the dialogue. Uh-huh. I like the music. I like science fiction music. It just fits. It's a very moody, out of this world type music. And it puts you in the mood for these type of movies. And the sound was good. That, the music, the score. And this is done by a famous guy. Hans Zimmer, probably. Yeah, I think you're right, Lady Phantom. Yeah, and you know what? That Actually, in this movie, I think that happened way less than in other movies of his movies, like The Dark Knight, for example, because I do remember one scene where you can hear someone talking and there's a lot of music. And for some reason, his dialogue in that scene is very intelligible, but it's not like someone's talking on the scene, but it's like a voiceover. And it's easier to understand that your typical Christopher Nolan dialogue. But still, I mean, a movie like this with the right audio could be reference material any day. Yeah, Yeah, but he don't produce it that way. And also, I'm going to state this too, which I've noticed in the last two, it could be all of them if I re-watched them and paid attention. But his bass is very much, he's got a lot of grandiose themes and he doesn't have the right type of bass, in my opinion. It's just more middling bass. It's not the rumbling. Like, there's a lot of things that make noise in this movie with the ships and explosions and landing. And, you know, you go back to, like, 2001 when they're flying into a planet, man. This whole house was rumbling. And Nolan just don't do that, which should be. Because when you're hearing wind and gravitational pull and stuff, like that's what gets you into it. Yeah. And the thing is that, as I said before with this movie, there are a lot of times where you have some big, loud noise and then sudden silence. And it could be just so effective with the right level of bass Uh and everything. And I did like those scenes, though, Phantom. Like sometimes it caught you off guard, like it did go to silence, like I like that because it refreshes you. Like I complained in Birds of Prey, it was nonstop, loud music, sound, noise. Mm -hmm. I do like when it calms down and there's talking because it reduces your stress level (laughs) and it lets you relax and get into the movie. Yeah, and then in this movie, just as much as sound, silence gets to be a character on Mm -hmm. its own because... In outer space, you should have complete and total silence. So that's really nice. All right, let's get to that whole Blu-ray disc of special features, Lady Phantom. Plotting an interstellar journey. 
Origins, Influences, and Narrative Designs. Shooting in Iceland, Miller's Planet and Man's Planet, creating two vastly different worlds in one country. Celestial Landmarks, how practical special effects give the illusion of real space travel. Miniatures in Space, explore the large-scale models using the film and more. All right, Lady Phantom, this is the time. What are you going to tell all the listeners all over the world about this, this, the grade and recommendation if this is a movie they are interested in? Ooh, this is hard because I really want this one to be reference material because it's it's a beautiful disc. However, I just can't overlook the sound. So I'm giving it a, a B plus. Yep, that's right where I am. It's the same as The Dark Knight I'm giving it, Phantom. But I was a little bit more impressed with The Dark Knight because it was an older film and it did have more popping. Yeah, a bunch it, of more darks. Yes, and it very had deep. a little bit better contrast yes. ratio. But that suffered from some of the same things, too, in some of the IMAX. They didn't go with pitch dark in a lot of scenes, That is too. true, but it does look darker. And of course, this is completely worthy. Like, oh, as yeah. Bill said before, like, don't, don't even ever bother. Don't even watch this in any other format. I know. I mean, don't like, even dare. Yeah, 4K is the only way to go I mean, with this, this movie. This is worth, no doubt, the extra five bucks. Or And this is older. This is probably only a couple extra bucks than the Blu-ray now. Yeah. So we're both saying grab this disc on your next 4K outing. That's going to wrap up episode 53 of Interstellar. Lady Phantom, where do you want our fans to go so they can get a subscription to Movies in 4K? Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you want to get your podcasts. And of course, please, BillShetty.com, go and sign that guestbook. Let us know how much you like us. Or, if you're looking for that subscription, you can stay on BillShetty.com and scroll down to the end of every webpage, and there's every link that click right over on whatever app you have to grab our subscription. All right, for Lady Phantom, I am Bill Shetty, and we're going to catch you on the next Movies in 4K. Bye.